two of Days of Grace. Last week we talked about, you know, there's a lot of ways that can define the times that we uh, live in. It's a bit bouncy, my friend. Um, but I'm telling you, the way God defines this era of time is by grace. Come on, we are, do you know every breath that you breathe today, he's given you that breath, he's given you that ability. It's, a, it's grace why we're alive. The reason why, in spite of all of the things that we can see happening worldwide, um, human trafficking, all kinds of injustices, wars, and the reason why God hasn't folded it all up by now is because of grace. Because there are people who have yet to come into his kingdom and live with him forever, and he's so in love with them, he's holding it back. Come on, those are the days that we're living in. And it's not just about getting to heaven and going to heaven. It's about having the ability to get something done on earth. You know, if you're going to fulfill your destiny, it's going to be because of God's grace. Well, if you're going to fulfill your purpose, if you're even going to be alerted to what your actual purpose is, it's because God is having grace toward you. And, uh, and that grace empowers you to get it done. And so there's a lot of ways that grace can be applied. You can do your own research, of course. This isn't meant to be a comprehensive talk in two weeks on what grace is and what grace isn't. But what I want to do is whet your appetite to dive in and feast on grace. There's a scripture I'm going to get to that says we can feast on the grace of God. Or you can feast on the misery, you can feast on the fear, you can feast on the lies, you can feast on the news, and guess what? It's going to get you nowhere. Come on, it's going to get you sideways, it's going to get you backwards, downward spiral, it's just not. Grace will take you up, out, and over. Come on, let's, let, let's, let's get into the grace here. So let, let me tell you something, you're here today, I want to tell you something. Your life can change or it can stay the same. You know, your life can get better or it can get worse. You know, but I want you to know that if it's up to God, it will get better and it will change for the better. He's pouring out his grace. Like there's nothing anybody could ever do to stop him from pouring out his grace. The place where we go wrong is oftentimes, whether it's because of religion or shame or unbelief or whatever, we're the ones holding up the umbrella, trying not to get wet with it because you feel so undeserving. I've been there. Well, I blew it again. I guess I'm going to be in the doghouse for another two weeks with God. I'm going to grovel for two weeks, and once that feeling seems to subside a little bit, well, I guess everything's okay again. And no, that's just not how it works. Come on. <laughs> Come on. And so last week we talked about, um, you know, a, a little narrative to help us understand this a bit. Uh, the Apostle Paul, before he came the, became the Apostle, he was Saul, the persecutor. He's on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians. He's already killed some. He wants to kill a whole lot more. I mean, the guy's on a roll here. He went to Jerusalem to get letters, like warrants for arrest that he's going to every single synagogue in Damascus, and anybody who names Jesus, he's going to carry them back to Jerusalem where they're very likely going to be killed. That's the kind of guy he was. And um, it was him on that road, come on, that's the path that he chose where he met Jesus. And he had done nothing to earn Jesus' respect. He had done nothing to uh, suggest that he'd be a great apostle. He's, he's actually trying to destroy Jesus when he appeared to him, says this, why are you persecuting me? Because I want you to know that when you are a follower of Jesus, you belong to him. Anybody that messes with you, it's the same thing as messing with him. He's a king. Come on, we belong to him. And so an assault or, 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 or a slander or a libel or an attack on what the king owns or who represents the king is just like an attack on the king himself. And so eventually the king shows up and says, why are you persecuting me? He didn't even talk about Stephen, who Paul was responsible for his murder. Come on, he's, why are you persecuting me? And then Paul said the smart thing. He hit the ground, and then he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> you know, what do you want me to do, right? 
And so we know that God wasn't evaluating Paul's or, or Saul's performance. Wow, this guy's an excellent organizer. Well, this guy's a great persecutor. Perhaps he'd make a great preacher too. That's not how it worked. God actually took a guy whose pedigree was like, come on, he, he listed off all these things that qualified him in the world. He's, a, he's, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. He's circumcised on the eighth day. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He stundered under Gamaliel. He was his brightest student. Come on, the guy, come on, the guy's as brilliant as you can get. Read the epistles. I mean, the guy's just absolutely brilliant. You'd think God would send him to the Jewish people. Because he can speak their language. He can speak their lingo. But you know what he did? He sent them to the Gentiles that don't know nothing about the Scripture. And he's stuck with the grace of God working miracles proving that God is on the throne. That Jesus is alive. You would think. And then he takes Peter, who's the opposite of Paul, and sends him to the Jewish people. The guy's a fisherman. And so he's stuck doing the same thing. Relying on the grace of God working miracles for them. Come on. And then, and then he, you know, quizzes them with profound wisdom. They say, this man must have walked with Jesus. They're fishermen. Come on. And if you don't like that, he'll speak in one language, but everybody will hear it in their hometown dialect. Come on. How do you like me now? Come on. Jesus is alive. That's the whole idea of God's grace. And before we get into much more of this, I want you to know that God's grace is not weak. It's not a groaner message. I mean, I'm, I mean, I sat around, come on, I heard some messages on grace. I was like, oh boy, you know, here we go. Uh, where's this? Going? Listen, grace isn't weak. It's, it's not namby-pamby. It's not, it, grace, come on, grace is the reason why Jesus was able to rise from the dead overcoming hell, death, and the grave, Satan himself, take the keys of hell and death, who lives forever, who's coming soon. Grace has that much power. Grace is almighty. There's nothing that God can't do by his grace. It is more powerful than, come on, than any evil. It's more powerful than any gangster. It's more powerful than any, come on, any, any kind of group or any, anything you can imagine. God's grace is almighty, and he pours out, come on, resurrection power through that. He creates by grace. He does everything he does by grace. The reason why he does that is because he's so filled with love. God is love. And so out of his abundance of love, he begins to operate by grace toward me and you. So, um, I told you about a, a, like a love story. Let's say my wife... Uh, before she was my wife, let's say I'm just trying to get to know her a little bit. And she says, Adam, you know what? I need a favor. I'm listening. I need you to take me to Costco tomorrow. And if I have something on my schedule, I forget about it immediately. And I said, yes, I will take you to Costco tomorrow. You know? And if she tries to pay me for my time, I don't want to be her employee. So I can't take and I can't accept any wages. Come on, this is how God's grace works. It's favor, unmerited favor. Does she earn anything from me to take her from Costco? Absolutely not. Can she pay me for it? Not if I'm, come on, not, not if I'm going to stick to the plan here. The plan is I want to spend time with her so maybe she'll find me funny or find me interesting or think I'm smart or something like that and think maybe this is the right one for me. That's grace. That's favor. The second she pays me for it, is just forget all that. And then, come on, and if she tries to pay me for the gas after, well, let me reimburse you. No thanks, it's on, it's on me. It's favor. You didn't earn it, don't try now. Come on. And so the reason for me, that's, a, that's an illustration of grace, Daryl. I'm just being kind and loving to someone for no other reason than I love them and I want to know them more. I want to pull them in. This analogy carries all the way through to marriage. Now that I'm married to her, I still can't accept gas money from her. I still can't recoup. I still can't be hired to go to Costco for her. Adam, can you get some steaks at Costco tomorrow? I'm like, well, you know, it's going to cost you $30 an hour. Come on, it's, it's, that's not how covenant works. What's mine is hers and what's hers is mine and I'm doing it by grace because I love her. 
And if she's asking me the right way, she's going to ask me by faith, knowing that I love her enough to go to Costco because I want to have some steak too. I just want to get rid of this religious idea of what grace is or that it's some weak thing or that it's some game we can play and manipulate God who knows everything, that we can sin and get away with it and just like, huh, it's my get out of jail free card, huh? You know, it's not what it is. He will forgive you based on grace. You know, he doesn't sweep the sin under the carpet and think, you know what? That guy's just so cute, I just can't help it. I'm just going to, I'm going to bless him anyways. He doesn't deal with it that way. He won't excuse it, but he'll forgive it. Come on, and we talked about it last week. He doesn't forgive it because you felt bad enough long enough. He doesn't forgive it because you felt guilt and shame for long enough. He doesn't forgive it based on those things. Those things may happen. He doesn't forgive it because you said, I'm sorry. He doesn't forgive it because you apologized in a lengthy prayer. He forgives it on the basis of Jesus dying on the cross for you. Because the scripture says the wages of sin is death. Come on, the soul that sins shall die. So somebody's got to pay the price. You know, sometimes people say, well, Coda, you know, Canada's got free health care. Yeah, it might be free to you, but somebody's paying for this called the taxpayer. It's the same thing. The blessing that comes from heaven to you, Peter, it's free to you, but somebody paid the price for that. And the taxpayer in this case is Jesus Christ on the cross pouring his whole life out for you. Wow, hold on a second here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, think about that. It's got nothing to do how well you performed last week. Well, two weeks of really good behavior, only a few mistakes. I'm going to have the nerve to come up to the front and get healed today. Come on, it doesn't work like that. Have you ever been blessed right after you made a pretty pretty good mistake, and all of a sudden the thing you've been contending for happens, that's not God excusing it. That's God showing you there's something beyond your performance at work here, and you need to give up all that foolishness. You need to come into my heart of hearts so you can have two things. You have the ability to refuse those mistakes going forward, but you also have the blessing at work. I like being blessed, and I don't like being cursed. It's not cool at all. You know, Pastor Mike preached on Father's Day, you know, cycles. The world operates in cycles, and a lot of times there's a sin cycle. Sin, shame, guilt, repent, confess. Okay, now I feel a little bit better. Okay, same thing, boom. And it's just a cycle, and it's, if that's a cycle you find yourself in, that's not a blessing cycle. That's a curse cycle. Do you know you can actually torch the whole cycle? You can lay a torch to the whole thing, and you can have a fundamental change in your inner person, whereas that sin has no hold on you like that song we were singing. Grace holds that place now. All right? And so I want you to think about this. We are in a, if you're, if you're not a believer yet, grace is being extended to you today to come into a covenant with Jesus. All that means is Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I receive what you did for me on the cross. Come and live inside me. Be my King and my Lord and my Savior. All right? But there's also grace being extended to those who are already believers. The whole thing, start to finish, is by, faith, by grace through faith. And so, I want to help you understand that in 10,000 years from now, when we're all in heaven, at that point in time, it's still going to be by grace through faith. It's just because that's how heaven operates and that's how God is, all right? And so, you'll never earn anything in heaven because you don't have to. It's just not about that. The whole economy of heaven is based on giving out of love. It's just favoring people because you can't help stop loving them. There's a scripture that tells uh, the, the Israelites, it's like, I didn't choose you because you're the greatest in number. I didn't choose you because you were the best. I chose you because I love you. And the reason I love you is because I love you. He can't even explain it. He's the most articulate, brilliant being of all time. Come on, he's the creator. And to explain his love, he has to start talking in circles. Esther, the Lord loves you because he loves you. Can't help himself. It's gushing out of him. Uh, my dad's over there. He, the Lord is loving you because he loves you. I can't figure out why I love my wife and why I love my kids. It doesn't make sense, but it, come on. 
That's how God is dealing with us. And so based on that amount of love, he's just flowing favors. The whole thing is about favor. Favor that you can't earn. Not that you're so bad and gross and just so disgusting and he hates the things that you did to the point that he can't look at you. That's not about it. It's just that it doesn't factor in. Come on, he's loving you. So anyways, 10,000 years from now, we're going to be by grace through faith, everything. Come on. So our job is to grow in grace. We don't graduate from it. You're born again. It's because of God's grace. Now, if you're going to operate in a gift, if you're going to operate in a mantle, if you're going to fulfill your purpose, it's going to be by that same means, by grace, through faith. If you're going to get healed, it's because he's pouring healing out right now, and all we need to do is pay attention to the fact that he's in the room. I need you to know that grace is in the room, and healing grace is in the room, and restoration grace is in the room, and reconciliation grace is in the room, and the grace for victory is in the room, and the grace for conquest is in the room, and the grace for going up, out, and over is in the room. It's in the room in a lot of different ways. Come on, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, not only is he in the room with all of that grace, he's in you with all of that grace. The conquering grace, the grace that conquered hell, death, and the grave lives and is alive in you. Come on, let the grace of God come alive in this place and in this church like never before. Because that's how you're going to get healed. That's how you're going to get a breakthrough. That's how the things are going to start leveling out. That's how you're going to get an alignment with your purpose. By grace. And so I I, I talked to you a little bit about this um, last week too, is... um, Galatians 3.10, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. And this can apply to believers. This can apply to people who are born again. The second we start putting ourselves into this place where we strive to get God's attention, we strive to, come on, what's happening is we're putting ourselves under the law. And since we're breaking the law somehow, we're under the curse also. And I just, I brought up like, my experience in sales. Um, I, I really believe that the Lord spoke to me to quit that job. Not that there's anything wrong with it. And I didn't. You don't want to know why? Because I chickened out. Because I got kids and all this stuff and all this pressure and the cares of the world. And I let that stop me from obeying the voice of God. And guess what? I stopped operating in faith. And so I stopped, little by little, seeing the grace of God at work, the favor in the workplace. I noticed other people not working as hard as me, not making as many calls as me, not probably as skilled as me. Come on, that's debatable. But look, you look at the guy, and the guy's getting rich over there, and you realize he's not doing anything right. Come on. And then, and all, come on. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, wait a second, that guy's blessed. And I'm like, well, why am I not blessed? You know, and when I talk about, you know, I missed my place of grace. And I wasn't walking by faith. So listen, the reason why the scripture encourages us and really commands us, the just shall live by faith, is because that's the only way you're going to live by grace. That's the only way that this era of your life, the rest of your life, are going to be days of grace as if they're going to be days of faith. You believe the word of the Lord, you believe in Jesus, and you do what he's, what he's telling you to do. And so... Um, I've been wrestling with this concept of grace for for so many years since I, you know, in 2016, Pastor Mike pointed out how important it was for the leadership here to understand grace. And, you know, I took it seriously. And then that's when I noticed things start to change. I I was just telling you uh, about my experience in the workplace. And what happened is I'd get my bills paid, but they'd be late. You know what I mean? God didn't really let me suffer all the way. But it was just like so much frustration. And I realized what I was doing was I was frustrating the grace of God because of unbelief. I'm just sharing that with you. That's my testimony. Maybe that helps you. I'm not saying don't work hard at work. Of course you work hard at work. Work unto the Lord. Come on, work by faith. But I'm telling you, you got to go where he's called you to go, and you got to do what he's called you to do, and you got to be obedient, and that's what faith is, walking this whole thing out. And so I spent a lot of time under tension wrestling with God 
over his grace. And I want you to know that you have permission to wrestle with God about things that you maybe don't understand or you're, you're confused about in the Scripture. He's inviting you to a wrestling match to work it out with him. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of that stuff. And so maybe some of you are feeling like, hey, you know, it's just maybe I'm not allowed to ask questions or something like that. Don't know. Hit him with the questions. He's not afraid of that. Actually, you know what you could do is write it down in a journal and, you know, write down all the questions you have forgotten. Just pray about it, and in about six months, you'll see all the answers come through. I don't know how it happens, but it just seems to happen that way. And so there's a little tip and trick for somebody. You know, maybe you're wondering, hey, maybe I'm striving. Maybe I am frustrating the grace of God. Well, here's a litmus test. Do you have peace? Do you have joy? Come on, is the Holy Spirit at work in every area of your life. Maybe 10 areas of your life are working out and the blessing is flowing just fine, but maybe there's two areas where there's a lot of frustration there, and maybe that's where you put yourself under the law. Maybe that's where you need to open up to the grace of God. Maybe that's where you need to stretch your faith and realize that He's just pouring out on you. And so, um, peace is the huge, is, is the huge one. Is, is it working? Is it flowing? Don't get me wrong, there'll be seasons where you have to overcome things, but you'll know when you're, come on, you'll know when you're not where you're supposed to be from where you are supposed to be and you're supposed to overcome this thing. Come on, there's a big difference. The thing that has to happen, now, like I spent a lot of time talking about how to experience the grace of God, but once the grace of God is experienced, it has to have what's called a transformation inside of you. Now that I've encountered the God of grace, come on, and he's marked me with his grace, there's got to be a fundamental transformation in the person that I am, okay? Not just my experience with life, not just things working smoothly at work, not just me getting victory in this area and getting faith. Those are signposts that you're on the right track, but guess what? The inner peace that you need, come on, the, the way that you view the world starts to change. One of the things that changed, Pastor Mike pointed this out, um, is this idea that, okay, once something good happens, three bad things are going to happen. Or as Pastor Mike puts it, the other shoe is going to drop. Just when things seem to be opening up, you know, just when you're coming up for air, you're just waiting for it. Whomp, to pull you back down under. That is a number one indication that you are not experiencing the grace of God. It's one thing to believe it. It's one thing to find it in the Scripture. It's a whole other thing to experience it to the degree that, come on, that, that things change all around you. That things change inside of you. That your view of the world isn't that I'm just waiting to get pulled under anymore. Come on, I'm going from faith to faith. And if I'm going from one level of faith to another level of grace... Come on, with another level of faith, guess what? I'm accessing more and more of the grace of God. And so things get better and better. I go from glory to glory. I go from victory to victory because of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Is this making sense? And so if you're not, if you're in a place, maybe 10 areas of your life are fine, or maybe they're, whole, they're all in a mess, and you feel like you're just going to get pulled down, you know, right as soon as you come up for air, I want to encourage you to encounter Jesus today. And he will, because sometimes that expectation sort of creates that experience. That's what you believe. And then you start talking that way. Well, you know, if that was us blowing that stop sign, we'd be pulled over for sure. If that was us, you know, that, that, that was driving like that, we'd be pulled over. And this mentality that something bad is going to happen all the time, something's looming over us, it comes out of our mouth. And then guess what? The power of death and life is in the power of the tongue, and the next thing you know, <laughs> you know, the sirens are buzzing. Come on. We don't want that anymore. Come on. If you've been doing that, my encouragement to you is you don't have to do that anymore. That doesn't have to be your experience. The Bible guarantees you in the blood of Jesus that that experience can change when you change in here. And the way that you view your life and your purpose and your destiny. If we get on to the fact that we latch on to the truth that God created you with a destiny and a purpose. 
with an absolutely completed biography, which he gave to Jesus, which nobody can topple, if we get the mentality that nothing and nobody, no system, no nothing can stop me, no, no man, woman, or beast can stop this, then you will be unstoppable. Every trouble you have, every roadblock you have, you will overcome. This whole thing is about overcoming. We're starting to have a good time here. Come on. And the thing is, when you have that transformation, it changes the way that you look at yourself. Okay? You need to change the way that you look at yourself sometimes. You know? And even me. Like I'm saying, I'm up here preaching. I'm on a journey with all of this too. I need to see this more clearly and more truly. I need to keep pressing in for more and more, just like everybody else. I want to be a person who is a carrier of God's grace. I don't just want to seem like I'm summoning the grace of God from some outer space planet and it just shoots at me like a beam. That's not scriptural. Scripture is, come on, that the fountain of grace was given to you. The whole, he, he, you don't have to go to heaven to experience the grace of God. He's given you the whole fountain in his son, Jesus Christ, in the blood that he shed on the cross. That is the ultimate of the fountain of grace. Jesus Christ is the ultimate embodiment of grace. And Jesus Christ on the cross, come on, is Jesus at his best dying for you and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, and it is finished. That's the fountain that moves inside of you, and it doesn't stop there because he's buried, and then he's resurrected, and then he's ascended into heaven, and he's coming soon, and uh, come on, we're, he's, he, he's given us his, himself. He's given us his best. Now, come on, let's go back to that analogy with, you know, you're, you're interested in, uh, for me, uh, I'm interested in Geneva, and let's say I have... Um, you know, let's say I have a whole plate of chicken wings and like one, not the best, you know, and then I got another plate. These are really good. I'm going to give her the best ones, right? God's in, come on, he's into giving you the best. He's given you more than enough. The scripture says that when Jesus comes, he comes with grace and truth and grace upon grace. He's just giving you more than enough grace, not just enough. Come on, more than enough grace. Imagine every situation that's causing you trouble right now and the grace of God completely overwhelming it and making it seem minuscule. That's what he's doing. Now, we can access that by faith. Come on. So here's the other thing about the transformation that occurs. It changes the way we see ourselves, our identity. Now, I found out in about 2006, it's so important to know who you are in Christ. So I read books about it. I've got lists of it. I can quote you. I'm a child of God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He makes us kings and priests. I mean, I can do that all day. I know them all by heart. I've known them for years. And guess what? It wasn't my experience, though. I believed it. I knew where I could find it. I knew where I could quote it. I prayed it but it was not yet my experience. And I'm going to share with you this morning how that could become your experience. Sonship with God. How can you experience that? Being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That sounds so amazing. But you can experience that. Being, uh, it's just, uh, being healed. You can experience that. It's one thing to have the theory. It's one thing to know it's true. It's a whole other thing when it happens. And that's where we want to get to. We want to be people of experience, and we want to experience the truth. And so here's how it happens, just very simply. Jesus is righteous. You know, the Scripture says that God, one of God's names is uh, Yahweh Sid Kenyu. That's the Hebrew way of saying the Lord, our righteousness. It's who he is. He is righteous. It's his name as well. It's his title. And so Jesus embodies that. And so when you encounter Jesus as the righteousness of God and he marks you, guess what? Something of that exchange rubs off on you. And then the scripture comes to life where it says, um, 
You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so when you look at yourself in the mirror, and when you experience life the next time you turn around, it's like, hey, wait a minute. I'm not in the doghouse with God. I'm not this chump. I'm not this guy that failed at so many things. I'm actually the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's not make-believe because you've encountered him on that level, and he's marked you at that level, and now it's your faith. Come on. And, and, and because it's your faith, you're experiencing it by grace. If you're going to wait to be able to go through some sort of a religious rigmarole to finally earn the title of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you're crazy. You can't do it. The righteousness of God, excuse me very much, the righteousness of God is perfect. Never made a mistake. It's not like he had one good day and then he named himself that. Come on. He's always been perfect of righteousness, never changing his level of righteousness. You can't add anything to it, and you can't take anything away from it. And apparently, he's calling my dad, Leonard Cregan over there, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But the difference with him is with Jesus, he never sinned, but my dad sure did. Come on, so did yours. And so did me. Come on. So did I. So did me. Okay. We're getting there. I'm having a lot of fun, that's why. But by faith, he endows you with the truth and the experience of being his righteousness by grace. He's giving it to you. I'll just give it to you. Because I need you to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus so you can have dominion, so that you can rebuke sickness, so that you can rebuke demons, so that you can pray and get an answer so that I can treat you the exact same way I treat Jesus. That's what it's like to be a believer. It's, I know it sounds really like quite a lot, but that, the gospel, it's too good. It's too much. It's too much of his goodness, and I want to unpack as much of it as I can in this lifetime. And so I want you to know that that's the, the grace. That's who he is. We talked about that last time. You know, and Paul about being marked. Paul said this, Galatians 6.17, from now on, let no one trouble me, for I carry the marks of Jesus Christ branded on my body. Okay? And so, it's scriptural to let God mark you. Come on. And then in Exodus 33 and 34, the Lord announces to Moses, I'm the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. It's who he is. There's a long list of things there but I need you to focus in on that. The Holy Spirit is referred to in Hebrews 10.29 as the Spirit of grace. It's who God is. That's what I'm saying. You're going to love this. There's also a scripture in Isaiah 30, verse 18, that says, not only is it who He is, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Not only is it who he is, he can't wait. Come on. This, this word longs to be, have you ever longed for anything? Come on, have you ever sort of been on a long trip and they're not stopping for bathroom break and you just long for the bathroom or you're just longing for something to eat or, you know, you're in a long distance relationship? Come on, you long for that other person. I know Gail's in Jamaica at one point and I'm in Ottawa and it's just, I began to long. Come on, Olivia's smiling over there. Daniel was just in Africa for almost a month and I know she was longing for him to come home. In the same way, God is longing to pour out his grace on your life. And, this, and we don't have to do backflips. We don't have to do a, win a push-up competition. We just have to throw open the gates of our heart and believe who he is and receive him. The scripture says we can, Hebrews 13, 9, feast on the grace of God and be inwardly strengthened. Isn't that amazing? He's longing, and then we can start feasting. Come on. I like it. Come on. We'll talk about that. We're doing communion today. We're going to feast on the epitome of the grace of God, Jesus. All right? And so, listen, this whole thing about becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that needs to become who you see in the mirror. Okay? This is how it happens. Furthermore, Galatians 3, 6. Abraham, our father of faith. Come on, what does faith access? You can talk back to me. It, it accesses grace. 
Abraham, our father of faith, believed God, and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. We get to become that person. We can have that experience of actually becoming and experiencing ourselves as the righteousness of God, not because we spoke it out. Come on, you need to learn it. You need to memorize it, but you need to experience yourself that way. And I'm telling you, nothing stays the same. I I went on this journey in 2018, and I'm not saying like my life is perfect. Listen, my life is awesome because I know compared to what it used to be, Come on, I know the frustrations that I used to have, pressing into God, trying to make it work and all this stuff. I'm serving the Lord. I'm preaching the gospel. I'd see miracles. I'd see all kinds of stuff. But I know, like, come on, there's something of the gospel that I'm pressing in for. And I realized I needed to have a change in my heart. I needed to repent of my idea of how to get a hold of God because he's already pouring it all out. Come on, this whole thing is based on a finished work on the cross, He's already made up his mind. If there was one person he didn't want to save, he wouldn't have went to the cross because it's for everybody. It's universally for everybody who believes in him. And so the same, it's, it's at the same place at the cross where you're healed, where you get a breakthrough financially, where you get a reconciliation and a restoration or all kind of thing, where you get into alignment with your purpose, with the grace for your purpose and your destiny fulfilled. It's all provided in the cross. He's already made up his mind about your destiny. And we get to have it as a gift that we receive by faith. And the thing is, we just, the best way to, you know, sometimes I like to think of it as a river. But let's face it, it's Jesus. He's giving you himself, the presence of God. Listen, when you discern the presence of God in your life, in the room. Listen, the grace of God is there. Check this out. <laughs> Galatians 2.21, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Just think about the ramifications of that. Nullify. Do you know that God is pouring out grace that we can nullify? If we get religious about it, if we get into unbelief about it, if we think we have to, well, I just, you know, I I just got to get my life together. Listen, that's not how it works. You're not getting your life together until the grace of God comes upon you and helps you get get your life together. Come on, it's backwards, I know. But listen, he would have died for no purpose. So you can nullify, and that, that scripture in another version says you can frustrate, you can object to, you can find it, you, you can, oh man, just, let's just not frustrate the grace of God. You know what I mean? Let's not be that type of person. Like, and if you're doing it, we can just stop. And maybe there's an area in my life that I'm not thinking, I'm driving home, and it's like, aha, I need you to know I'm on the same journey as you are. Let's not nullify the grace of God. It doesn't say that you know, the flow stops from God toward you. It's just saying that we stop the flow when we get out of faith or when we think we can earn it or we think we can, you know, let's face it. You, you, I like fasting. Okay, yeah. You know, but I've done some crazy fasts in my day. Come on. And guess what? None of those fasts earned anything from God. Now, you can fast with the correct heart and the correct mindset Whereas you want to, you know, uh, assign some uh, communion time with the Lord and fasting is good and it's healthy for that. But I think there's a lot of Christians fasting in a very unhealthy way. It's like a petition. It's like, it's like you're trying to hold them to something. It's just not how it works. He's already done it. And he's already flowing to you. And you just have to believe it. And so, uh, if you want to commune with the Lord, if you want to have this, if you, if you just really want to get to this place with, with God where it's about your relationship with Him, let's just stop having a relationship with the rules over having a relationship with Jesus. If that's what your fasting is about, then you'll be blessed. If that's what your tithing and your offering is about, your relationship with Jesus, or you'll be blessed. As soon as you make it a relationship with the rules, wow, I got the rules down this week, right? Guess what? You lost, <laughs> you missed the rules the other ways, right? So come on, this way, come on, the, 
The law has no answer for the grace of God. The devil has no answer for the grace of God. And if we get this right, come on, we'll change the world. And that's what we're getting to. Let's not nullify the grace of God. Let's make sure we're activating as much of it in our lives as we can. And so, um, let's talk about this other one, about our identity. We talked about righteousness. Sonship works the same way. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Again, believe. You see that? Faith. Faith accesses what again? Grace. Come on. Come on. Can somebody just say grace? grace? All right. Okay. You don't want to be allergic to the grace of God, okay? Listen, it's okay to say grace. It's not a secret code. Come on. Listen, if you receive Jesus, remember, receive the person and believe in him, you will receive the grace to become the sons of God. That's what, that's what we need. We, we, we don't want to sort of pound that into our own heads and just sort of a make-believe kind of thing. That needs to become our actual experience when we look in the mirror. That needs to be our experience when we're dealing with, a, uh, with an issue. That, mean, that needs to become our experience when we're praying with somebody. The most important thing you can do in God's kingdom isn't really to be an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or some kind of clergy or minister. It's to be in a place of sonship or daughters for the ladies. I like the word sonship because it includes inheritance and it's not about boys and girls. It's just this is a place in God where you can flow from. All right? It's more important Come on, you can pray for someone and they get healed because of sonship. Not because you're a pastor. There's lots of pastors that prays for people and not much happens, right? Meanwhile, you can be there with a revelation and experience of yourself as a son of God because of your faith and the grace that was given to you and healings are popping all over the place like popcorn. That's what happened. When we talked about Stephen a little bit, he was a deacon. He was like serving tables, and he went from serving tables to hosting revivals to the extent that, come on, Saul had him, you know, had him basically publicly executed, all right? And so, think about that. Um, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Come on, sonship is for everybody. Listen to this one, Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we, that with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed to us. The eager expectation of the creation waits for the appearance of the sons of God. The reason why it's so important to have a revelation and an experience of yourself as a son of God, as a daughter of God, is because the whole world is waiting for this. The whole world is waiting for people to stand up as children of God with dominion and authority, with faith in days of grace, and tell them the truth about Jesus. Come on, heal the sick and, you know, cast out devils and cleanse the leper and raise the dead. The whole thing is true. But again, look at this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. That's an experience you have to have. That's not a theory. That's not like a fill-in-the-blank question you got to get right. This is something that has to happen in the mirror. This is something that has to happen in the depths of your heart. This has to happen at such a level that there's no deeper part of you that would disagree with it. All of you has to line up with that truth. And the reason why, another reason why, it's not in my notes, that your understanding of who you are in Christ, especially in terms of being a son and daughter, is because think about this. When Jesus was baptized, the Father bursts open the skies and said, Behold, this is my beloved Son 
in whom I'm well pleased. There's a testimony from heaven about Jesus being the Son. And then the Holy Spirit rests upon him in the form of a dove. And then he's driven out into the desert to fast. And then what happens? What does the devil try to rattle his cage about? If you're really the Son of God. If you're really the Son of God. If you're really the Son of God. And Jesus kept repeating, it is written. And then he eventually rebuked them. But I need you to understand that Come on, when a challenge comes your way, when a hard time comes your way, maybe the question is, am I really a child of God? And the answer has to be unequivocally yes, based on you being marked by that experience from the Father. The same way that the Father endorses Jesus, He endorses you. And why does He do it? Because He loves you. And He's pouring out that distinguishment upon you of being His Son, and all you got to do is receive Jesus. All you got to do is receive him and believe him. And that's when things start getting good. And that's when you start becoming a distributor of grace. You begin to carry it. What he marks you with, you will carry. Come on, think about it. How many of you have heard hurt people hurt people? They were marked by a hurt. They were marked by a trauma. And what do they do? They go and play it out on everybody else. Right? Well, what about healed people heal people? Saved people get people saved. What if we heard that a hundred times more a day in the Facebook memes than that foolishness? Everybody knows that, but they don't have any power to change it. But Jesus does. Come on, Jesus does. Healed people heal people. Come on, whatever God marks you with, you'll carry. Come on, receive Jesus, the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen to this. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that means building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I told you the whole fountain of God's grace moved in. And you can begin to impart people the grace of God. And he can do it. He can do it from the atmosphere. He can, he can touch people with his grace from the atmosphere. He can touch people with his grace from heaven. But he wants to do it through me and you. That's the best. Because then we're honoring his creation. Then we're honoring the mission. Come on. Then we're honoring the gospel. Come on. We can have as much of the grace of God as we want, by the way. All of it, if you want it. We get it by faith. This is, this is really, this is going to be my, probably my last point. We're winding down here. Romans 12, verse 6. I want to show you how this works a little bit. Having then gifts differing, According to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So Paul is using an example of prophecy. Leave that up, though, for me, please. Paul is using an example of prophecy as a gift that's given to us. But it could be any other gift. You could have a gift for business, a gift for parenting. You could have a gift for healing. And look what he's saying. Whether prophecy, that means it's an example. Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. How do we get the gift? By grace. How do we operate in the gift? By faith. Oh, okay, so let me just tell you something. I have a gift of prophecy, okay? But I have not yet tapped into all of it yet because my proportion of faith is still growing. And so especially when I'm on the platform or if I'm ministering on a Wednesday night, I prophesy according to my proportion of faith so I don't miss it and embarrass the church and everything else. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, there's many of you have many gifts, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, you know, these kinds of things. So we operate in them according to faith, but he gives us all of it. So we can go from faith to faith and access more of the grace. Not that more is coming. It's just that if we're going to access what we have, we're going to do it by faith. Does that make sense for you? Just have a drink of that, Andre. You'll be okay. You'll be okay in the morning. So listen. That's just, this is the beauty of it. And so, look, speaking of prophecy, Pastor Linda, I know for sure today's your day. I don't know how I know it, but I know when I looked at you this morning in prayer, I know it's your day. Something special in the Father's heart about you for today. I don't know if it's a calendar day that's special or something, but I'm telling you something special is happening with you today. And I bless it. Uh, young lady, Courtney, I saw the Lord wrapping around you like... Uh, like a cloth, like a shawl, 
but it's like for dancing. It's like an anointing for dancing. I don't know if you like dancing or you dance. You do? Okay, thank God. Yeah. But um, this is a dance that's just for him. It's like a, you can just put on some worship music in your room and just dance away. I do it too. Like it's not cool. I won't do it up here. You know, you know one time back in 2009, Pastor Mike's like, hey, Adam, you come up here and dance. I was like, oh, boy. Careful, you know. I was like, I was like, dear God, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was like what went through my mind. I was like, I can't, you know, it's just, just, I just started kicking off some dance, uh, you know. And you know, it's anyhow, the Lord like it somehow released an anointing in the place. But listen, it releases anointing. The Father loves. It. I, I've got four daughters. I love to see them dance, and that's what He's going to be doing with you. It's just a special way that you can move Him. And so, listen, that's that's my that's my measure of faith for that. You know, sometimes it goes more, sometimes it's just one word. But listen, we can all do something. We can all distribute the grace of God. Like she's smiling. I didn't like embarrass her or whatever, right? Come on. So, listen, I told, I, I texted Daniel this week. I was like, hey, there's nothing you can do to earn one drop of God's grace. He's already given you the entire fountain. You just receive them by faith. All of it. Like it's forever, everlasting. It's what brings you to heaven. It's what sustains you in heaven. And so, listen, if you're here today and you're like you're listening to this and somehow the Lord is touching you and he's moving your heart and you're like, you know what? This is, this is not the way I've thought of God and he's, he's touching you. Listen, he's calling you home. If you don't know him, if you've never made a commitment to him, you can formalize your faith in Christ Maybe you lived your whole life, but yeah, of course I believe there's a God, right? But there's something different when you make covenant with him on his own terms, and that's faith in his son, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you to stand at this time, and we can all pray this prayer. And this just formalizes with words the faith that we have in our hearts already. Let's read this together. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my salvation. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I repent, and I'm purposing to change the way I think and live. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, help me learn about you and to grow in this kingdom lifestyle. I declare you're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for receiving me.